Hello and welcome to Sunshine Chasers. My name is Amanda and I started this podcast for you. This podcast is for outdoor adventure travelers no matter where you are on your journey. Whether you're sitting on a commute right now dreaming of getting away or plugged in on a plane headed on your next adventure, I think you'll be able to find something to connect with in each one of my guests. Through the conversations that you'll hear in this space, I want to not only inspire you with talks of faraway places and dreamy campsites, but really empower you to make your dream adventure a reality. Today, I get to share with you my conversation with Darcy Miller. This is a really fun episode because we're talking all things Olympics. Bucket lists, fun facts, and birthday parties all included. If you like this episode, I would love to take a moment to ask you to rate and review Sunshine Chasers wherever you listen to podcasts. But I'll be sure to remind you about that after the show, too. Let's jump in for now. Hey, Darcy, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm fabulous. Thank you for asking, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. Yeah, so I will give you a second to introduce yourself in just a moment, but first of all, I wanted to say that since the start of this podcast, I I had been like following you on, I think it was Twitter for a while, and I was like... (laughs) Darcy would be great to talk to, so I'm so glad that this is working. I am so flattered. You have no idea. Thank you. Oh my gosh, that's such a big compliment. Oh, I'm so (laughs) glad. All right, so give us the intro. Who are you? Where are you? How do you fill your time in your day? What's up? Yeah, so I'm Darcy. Uh, I work in digital media in the sports industry. I've kind of been a little bit all over the place. Um... But I grew up in New York. I went to the University of Miami for college, and now I'm living in Colorado. So again, kind of been all over the place. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'm a big sports fan. I spend a lot of time watching baseball. Unfortunately, I root for the Mets. It's a rough life. Um, Hey, you just beat the Phils. That's true. I think the Phillies might lose the division because they can't beat the Mets. So, you know. (laughs) It's a sad state of affairs for both of us. It's pretty sad. Um, (laughs) But other than that, uh, I like to read. I like to write. um, And I'm the biggest Olympics nerd you'll ever meet in your life. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. All right. Awesome. So let's start with your, we'll call it a day job in quotes. You're a, uh, a digital manager or what did you say your title was? Uh, I work in digital media. So right now um, I'm a communications coordinator and digital editor at professional bull riders. Nice. And that was a fairly recent development, right? I think. Yeah. I've been working there for a couple months about end of May. I think I started. So it's very different. I have no experience in the rodeo world or any Western sports or anything. So I'm totally a fish out of water, but it's really cool learning about a completely different sport. Yeah, what is like the coolest thing that you've learned so far about rodeo? Uh, well, the thing that's honestly been the most interesting to me is that the dress code in rodeo is so strict, which mm. I never had any idea, but I worked Cheyenne Frontier Days as my first event uh, about a month ago, and like you have to be wearing a cowboy hat, you have to be in a button-down shirt, you have to be in cowboy boots, and like oh, wow. they are so serious about it, and I had no idea. I've worked in so many different sports and like, I've never been so stressed about what I had to wear. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I would have never picked that. Right. All right. Fact of the day. (laughs) Yeah. And what other sports have you worked with? So I know you love baseball. You just said you love baseball. What other sports light your fire? 
Yeah, so my first internship out of college was actually with USA Volleyball out here in Colorado Springs, um, and I've actually been really into volleyball ever since. It's a really cool sport, um, but probably my first sporting love was figure skating, so I got to say that still holds a special spot in my heart. I love figure skating. That is, I, uh, I'm, I know that we're going to talk a lot about the Olympics, but I'm definitely one of those people who, whenever it's the winter Olympics, I'm like, yes, I love ice skating. And then unfortunately (laughs) I forget about it for most of the rest of the time. (laughs) I know it's one of those kind of niche sports. That's like a little bit harder to follow when it's not like in prime time on NBC. So Yeah. yeah, I definitely feel that. I feel like social media has really helped me too, though. Um, Adam Rapon uh, from, yes. from this, uh, this past <laughs> Olympics. I follow him on Instagram now. And so, like, I'll see other figure skaters, and then I'll click on their Instagram handles, and then I'll see what they're up to. And it's like, wow, social media is really making the Olympics that much more fun because you get to, like, know these yeah. people before they compete, and you get to know the sport outside of just, like, this every four years thing. So. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's kind of cheesy to say, but like social media really does make so many things so much more accessible. So like you can follow Adam Rapon for a full quad and like see him training every day and feel like you're a part of his life. And then when the Olympics come around, it's like, oh, I've been watching this guy for four years, even if I haven't seen him compete in four years. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's so neat. <laughs> um, so, okay, let's just jump right into the Olympics. I know you adore the okay. Olympics. I don't know if adore do. is a strong enough word for that. <laughs> um, one of the uh, one of my favorite things that I came across while I was looking through your blog and stuff before um, I sent you kind of some ideas about what we should chat about is that you had an Olympic-themed birthday party at the age of seven. I did. I was that kid. (laughs) I love it. Okay, first of all, what activities did you do at an Olympic-themed birthday party? I literally have no recollection of this birthday party. (laughs) So I couldn't even tell you, but, like, my first Olympic memories are right around that time. So, like, I don't even remember what prompted me to want to have an Olympic birthday party because my birthday is in February. So the Olympics were going on. Awesome. (laughs) Um, so the Olympics were going on literally as my birthday was happening. So I must have been into the Olympics before that, but like I literally I have no recollection. But That's I was that obsessed when I was seven years old that <laughs> I wanted an Olympics themed birthday party. And I have not changed at all. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. So what as you talk about your initial memories and how they started forming around that time when it has to come uh when it has to do with the Olympics, what do you think makes you feel that connection with the Olympics? What do you love about it? What, like, what hooked you? Oh, I mean, as a kid, I don't know. It might have been figure skating, honestly. I was Mm -hmm. so in love with that sport when I was a kid that maybe, you know, the Olympics were just the big thing in figure skating, so that was what I was excited about. Mm -hmm. Um, But as an adult, I just, I feel like it's kind of the ideal. And I mean, I know... It's not like politics are inherently going to be a part of the Olympics and that's not going to change. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you see all these athletes from different countries coming and competing and there's no animosity. Everyone's there kind of for the same reason. They love their sport. They want to win. But everyone's able to shake hands at the end. And it's, you know, at the opening ceremony, everyone's there to celebrate and no one cares where anyone else is from. And it's just kind of 
this really nice, it's kind of the best of humanity, I guess, Mm -hmm. in an ideal world. It doesn't always work like that, but that's kind of the way I believe in it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like there's, like you said, politics are going to follow you everywhere. And there are so many different levels to like who's involved with the Olympics and like who the representatives are and stuff like that. But like when it comes down to it, like our eyes are on the athletes and like, mm-hmm. we're all about the athlete experience. So hearing that it is that kind of a like camaraderie feeling is really, really refreshing. That's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the people at the top or different organizations like have their issues and whatnot, but like you said, it's, it's about the athletes. The athletes don't really care about that. The athletes care about their dreams and their sports. And that's kind of, I think why I'm so passionate about it. It's like these people work their whole lives to achieve this one singular goal. And like, I, I can care less about people that want money and Mm -hmm. do all these other corrupt things. Like it's, it's about the athletes for me at least. Yeah. Did you, so ice skating really might've hooked you into this. Did you ice skate yourself? I took lessons for like maybe a year or two, but mm-hmm. by that point I was like 12. So I was far too old to be starting ice skating, oh, you missed which your is insane calling. to think about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also like way too like introverted and shy to ever, I think, be able to be a performer. So I think the ideal version of me would have loved to been a figure skater, but I don't think I would have liked actually wearing a sparkly dress and being alone in front of thousands of people on the ice. Ooh, like my heart rate just picked up just <laughs> thinking about that. <laughs> right? It's anxiety inducing. I don't think I would be good at that, but uh, yeah, it's if a I, skill. You know, I could dream, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. So would you, all right, we can think of this in two different areas. I think the second you start talking about Olympics, the question winter versus summer comes up. Which do you prefer to watch? And if you had to choose one sport, maybe it could be ice skating. Which would you participate in? Uh, I mean, I am a winter girl. I know Mm -hmm. summer is the popular option and everyone loves the Summer Olympics, but I will always be a winter girl. Um, And yeah, I mean, figure skating seems to be the easy answer, but I think (laughs) like the ideal version of me would have been a figure skater. That's like the dream. Alternate universe me. I love it. I feel like I, whenever somebody asks me that question, because I mean, I wouldn't put me on the same level of Olympics loving, but like, I dabble in the Olympics. I really enjoy it. I spend all of my time watching it, you know? Excellent. Um, I feel like whenever somebody's like, ooh, do you like winter or do you like summer better? It is totally dependent on the most recent one. So like right now I'd be like, Oh yeah, a hundred percent winter because it just happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to complain about summer. Like I will happily take a summer Olympics any day of the week. Um, Mm -hmm. I hate that. I just said that because actually another fun fact of the day, it's just Olympics and winter Olympics. So summer Olympics, not a thing. It's just Olympics. I never knew that. Yeah, see, these are the things you pick up when you have to, like, know the official style of the IOC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, so it's that's a good Olympics one. or Winter Olympics. Um, but me talking about it is, you know, the Olympics that take place in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm always happy to watch a, uh, an Olympics over the summer. But <laughs> if I had to pick, 
if gun to my head, I had to pick, I would definitely pick winter. All right. All right. So (laughs) one of the reasons why I thought this would be a particularly fun thing to talk about on this podcast is because I like to talk travel. I like to integrate travel into our conversations. Excellent. And what better subject to talk about than the Olympics for traveling? So I adore that you have an Olympics bucket list. So tell us a little bit about um, how you created that and like some of your favorite things that are on your Olympics bucket list, whether you've achieved them or not yet. Yeah. So it was never really a conscious decision, but you know, you hear people talking about their bucket list and it seems like such a thing, you know, people want to achieve all these things. And when I started thinking about it, most of the things that I really wanted to do had to do with the Olympics just because I'm that person. (laughs) Um, So I just kind of started writing them down and I think I just kind of, again, it was never really a conscious decision. I just kind of started doing things. And as I did them, I was like, Hey, cool. I can check it off now. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not really like a, a process I go through or anything like that. It's very informal, but the one thing that I was so excited to check off was going to an opening ceremony. Mm. Like I live for Olympic opening ceremonies. It's like my Super Bowl. You know, the country basically <laughs> shuts down for the Super Bowl. I shut down for Olympic and Paralympic opening ceremonies. That's awesome. That is like <laughs> my favorite thing in the world. So to be able to go, I mean, it was the Paralympics. It wasn't the Olympics, but when you're there, like there's no difference. So Mm -hmm. being able to be there, like, I was so emotional the whole time. It was amazing. The ceremony was amazing, like, exceeded all of my expectations. So I feel really lucky that I've gotten to cross off as many things as I have. And I think I only have a couple things left on it. So hopefully I can do those in the next couple years. Yeah. So what what destinations have you been to uh, as part of the Olympics? Like, um either the opening ceremony or I know, or I think you volunteered and you worked some, where have the Olympics taken you? Yeah. So my first was in London in 2012. Mm. Um, I did volunteer. I studied abroad there that spring before the games that summer. Um, so I volunteered for a couple months and then I went back to London during the games themselves because I was like, there's no, I'm going to be a volunteer and then not be there for the actual thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so technically I was there as a spectator, but I had volunteered for a couple of months prior. Um, and then I went to both Rio and Pyeongchang as part of the U.S. Paralympics communications team. So three so far. That is so awesome. And which yeah. did you, um, go to the ceremony for? Uh, I went to opening and closing ceremonies in both Rio and Pyeongchang. Oh so my gosh. Hashtag blessed, but yeah, they're really <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, that is so, so cool. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the process of volunteering for an Olympics? Um, cause I know from you actually, I just sound like a complete fango right now, but no. <laughs> I, I know that volunteer applications are coming up for Tokyo pretty soon. So yeah. what is that whole process like? Like what can you tell us about volunteering for the Olympics? Yeah. So the funny thing is that I don't think I followed the actual process in 2012 like (laughs) I hopped in very late in the game um but I just kind of happened to have a my mom's friend knew someone that worked for the organizing committee in London and he sort of pointed me in the right direction it was this whole 
thing. And I ended up volunteering for London 2012 ceremonies. Mm-hmm. So that was the company that put on the opening and closing ceremonies. So I think I did it a little differently. It was a more expedited process. Um, but I actually did apply to volunteer in Sochi in 2014 and did not get it. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> fun fact. <laughs> um, it all worked out. But, um, yeah, so I think you just kind of fill out an application, like basic information about yourself. Um, and I know for Sochi there was an English assessment, so I imagine there will also be one for Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope I didn't fail my English assessment in 2014. Fingers crossed. That'd be pretty embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then I think after that they do a bunch of interviews, um, and they need you know tens of thousands of volunteers, so that's why it takes so long. They have to go through all of these applications, and um, yeah, so. I honestly don't know a whole lot about the process, but I hope to learn more about it in the coming years. Uh, Yeah. Are you going to apply for Tokyo? I am. It's hard to sort of forecast where I'm going to be in two years. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I would love to get back to the game somehow. So I'm just kind of opening all of my avenues at this point. Um, But yeah, I mean, volunteering in London was easily the best thing I've ever done. It was such a good time. You meet so many amazing people. Um, and as an, as a games nerd, like you're surrounded by other people who are just super excited about the Olympics. So I was like, I found my people here. So (laughs) I would love to volunteer at another games, but we'll see. Hopefully it works out. Yeah. Fingers crossed for you. Um, Thanks. You too. If you're interested in applying. (laughs) Oh, I am pretty sure I'll be applying. Yes. (laughs) Excellent. We can Uh, go together. Yes. Um, so what did you actually do as part of the, uh, volunteer for the ceremony? Well, well, ceremony team. I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. What, what did your, your, your like task list look like for that experience? Yeah. So I was a casting volunteer. So I worked with the casting team at the company as they were sort of bringing people into audition and then as they were rehearsing. So Mm. I did very like, obviously low level stuff. I was just a volunteer. They trained me for like a day. Um, but I was one of the people that sort of greeted all the people that were auditioning. I like put their information into the system, handed their ID badges out. Um, I sorted bibs cause everyone had a number to, cause that's how they keep track of these like massive amounts of people. Everyone had a bib and a number. And so we helped organize all of those. We did sort of office work. Um, so the tasks themselves were like kind of boring, but mm-hmm. I got to be there for auditions. I got to watch rehearsals. So watching these ceremonies on TV was absolutely insane because, like, I knew a lot of the songs. I knew some of the dance moves, and it was really, really cool. Um, Yeah, so it was so much fun. (laughs) So I studied abroad in Rome, but I took a trip to London while I was there. Okay. And they were still in the process of building, like, all the stadiums, and they were building that, like, red tower for the lantern, um, or in the shape of a lantern, I think it was. Oh, yeah, the the orbit tower? Yeah, yeah. That weird, like, twisted metal thing? Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) I have these pictures of it's just, like, a ginormous construction site. Like, I think... Yes. I think the one building for swimming or for a pool 
um, like kind of looks like a stingray in the picture, but like you yeah. can barely tell it's a stadium <laughs> at that point. But that's um, so funny. But me, my there? boyfriend, and my one good friend like took the train out from the center city London, and we just like stood and looked at it half complete, like not even half completed. <laughs> okay. And we were like, one Literally, day we'll be I did here. the same thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I studied abroad, I got there very early January of 2012. So mm. I mean, it was close to completion but it's still essentially a construction site. Um, And my school was in East London, and I could actually see the stadium from the window of my flat, which was amazing. Oh, yes. Um, But, yeah, so I took the tube, like, a stop or two east, and I, like, walked around this construction zone trying to, like, find the viewing platform because that was the only place you were allowed to go. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it was literally just, like, dirt and, you know, trucks everywhere and people in hard hats. But, like, yeah, I did the exact same thing. I couldn't get close to the stadium, but I just stood there and looked at it. Yeah. So I'm glad you did the exact same thing. (laughs) I went in – I studied abroad fall of 2011. So it was just, like, a couple months before you, I bet. Yeah, we we just missed each other. Yeah, (laughs) we, like, stood on that bridge and just, like, looked out towards it. And we were, like – Yeah, we probably stood in the exact same spot. Yes. Yes, there's that, like, um, it was, like, a shopping center right, uh, like, to the right, and then the Olympic center was to the left, and, oh, my gosh, I, yep. oh, yep. man, <laughs> memories. But back, back then, <laughs> when it was still, like, under construction, the only place you can go, I think it was called, like, the View Tube, and it was basically, like, a shipping container that they had turned into, like, a little coffee shop and, like, area that you could stand basically mm-hmm. <laughs> just be like here's the stadium it'll be really cool in a couple of months when it's finished yeah. but I was so excited that I think that was the first Olympic stadium I had ever seen at that point so Ooh. like I was just really emotional and it was so exciting mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what is being a spectator at the Olympics like because you know you sit on your couch and you have like however many screens you have like your live stream on your computer you <laughs> have prime time on your uh tv some of these sites are so far away so what is it like as a spectator being a spectator I mean obviously it's amazing and just like being out in the city and sort of in that environment is so cool but I was in London for a week um which was amazing but I feel like I watched so much more when I was at home Mm because you know when you're there you can only be at one event at a time Whereas when you're home, like, you're flipping back and forth, and there are all these different things on primetime at once, and you know everything that's going on. But when I was there, if I was out at triathlon, that's all I was watching. So Mm -hmm. I actually feel like I missed a lot, or at least in terms of competition. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was so cool being there and just, like, seeing all the banners with the rings everywhere, and everyone was carrying a flag, and... If you if your flag wasn't giant, like you needed to step your game up. I went there with these like <laughs> tiny little American flags and I literally went into a store and bought a giant American flag because I felt so lame and out of place without one. <laughs> like it's such a cool environment. Like everyone is just so excited and proud to be representing their countries and but there again, there's no animosity. Like no one's trash talking in a really malicious kind of way. Like it's just it feels kind of like a festival. Like everyone's there for the same reason and everyone's excited and it's just, it's so much fun. I would highly recommend if you can ever make it to a games, you should absolutely go. 
That sounds so fun. Like, fun is, is not even the right word for it. It's like, it seems too <laughs> lame for what I'm picturing, but right. oh my gosh. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And do you, so I, it sounds like you've been to the training center in Colorado. Do you make it a point to visit training centers too? Um, not as much as I would like to, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are two more in the U.S. There's one in Lake Placid and there's one in... Chula Vista, which I think is actually now a training site. It's not technically a training center. Mm. Um, and I've been to Lake Placid, but I'm not sure if the training center up there is really open or as accessible as the one in Colorado Springs is. Mm-hmm. So I actually haven't really been anywhere else other than Colorado Springs in terms of training centers. That one is so cool. I, I was out <laughs> in Denver for a conference and I drove down to Colorado Springs just to like go on the tour. Like, I just wanted to see it. I am seeing, like, the pool and talking about how they train and they have this, like, contraption that, like, drags swimmers across the water so they feel how fast they should go. I was just, like, my mind is blown. like, set it to, like, Michael Phelps speed and it just, like, drags you. Yeah, I would probably drown, but... I know, right? (laughs) And um, I thought, what was the other cool thing? I'm an exercise physiologist, so I was, like, going totally crazy there. But um, they also, what was it? It was, like, the chamber that they can adjust the humidity and they adjust the temperature. Yes. And oh, they I were, wish I remember what it was called. Yeah, yes. they were, like, <laughs> talking about how when they were prepping for Rio, they just would, like, crank it all the way, and athletes would just, like, come and sleep in the training center because it was <laughs> the best training they could have for the climate. Yeah, they can, like, change the air pressure and the temperature and the humidity. So, yeah, I think I was in there once, and uh, Des Linden, the runner, the marathoner, Mm -hmm. she was in there, like, on the treadmill while we were – was it a tour? I don't even remember why I was there. But, like, she was (laughs) running, and they were like, yeah, the conditions in there are mimicking Rio right now. Like, she's in training. And it's – yeah, it's insane what they have over there. Like, our athletes are so well taken care of. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, so I do also want to spend some time talking specifically about the Paralympics because I feel like at least from, um, you know, a dabbler, a spectator point of view, (laughs) um, the Olympic coverage is over and like technically the Paralympics are covered on TV, but it is like Mm -hmm. not the same at all. So I just would love to like kind of. I don't want to use the word pick your brain, but like hear your thoughts about how we can support the Paralympics and like what we can do to kind of make up for that. um, Just like that contrast. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem cool. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Um, I mean, even just in the last quad that I was involved with Team USA, Paralympic coverage has honestly grown so much. So it doesn't seem like very much compared to what goes on with the Olympics. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I hope it one day gets to that level, but even if it doesn't, um, I mean, it's really, it's growing in leaps and bounds, which is really, really awesome. Um, and I know in America, at least, I mean, our team in Pyeongchang won the medal count, won every single day of the medal count, but just kind of like ran the table. And I think that really, 
caught people's attention. Like, I don't think people realize that our Paralympic athletes are just as amazing, if not more amazing than our Olympic athletes. Mm -hmm. Like, no shade to our Olympic team, but, like, our medal count wasn't really up there in Pyeongchang, whereas the Paralympics, like, blew everyone's expectations out of the water. So that's really cool to sort of see these amazing athletes getting some of the attention that they deserve. Mm -hmm. Um, But honestly, I think the best way to support is to watch. And I know the coverage isn't great and it kind of takes more effort, you know, during the Olympics, you can just turn on the TV and pretty much any (laughs) channel you want to watch, it's going to be the Olympics. Um, the Paralympics is not like that and it definitely takes some more planning and some more effort, but I mean, I promise watch for 10 minutes and it'll change your life. They're absolutely amazing. And like, unfortunately the way it is, just coverage won't increase unless numbers do. So Mm -hmm. if you can watch, definitely watch I mean I've had family members and friends that have watched just because I was there come around and tell me like oh my god they're amazing I can't believe I've never watched this before so (laughs) not to you know pat myself on the back that I'm like converting people but (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no the Paralympics are absolutely amazing and yeah people should definitely watch and follow at US Paralympics on all social media platforms and Mm -hmm. yeah definitely support them the way you would support any other of your favorite athletes yeah and I love that you bring up social media again because uh, like again that makes such a difference because you know during prime time for the Olympics it's like let's tell you this half hour story about how this athlete has like overcome this and that and like this is where they are now and it's like no we deserve to hear those stories about the Paralympic athletes as well you just might have to dig a little harder and I think social media makes that more accessible to everybody else Yes. And I mean, I know I'm very biased. I worked with the team at U.S. Paralympics. They're incredibly talented. And if you go to usparalympics.org, like they have athlete stories on there. And I mean, just the things that some of these people have gone through. I know it's such an easy narrative and we're not supposed to be just inspired by them because they're there. They're Mm -hmm. absolutely incredible athletes. But just knowing what they've gone through and they're still there, like they have reached the pinnacle of athletics despite going through things that most people couldn't even imagine like these people are honestly superheroes it's insane so yeah definitely check out some of their stories and love them they're so great (laughs) are there any athletes that stick in your mind uh any Paralympic athletes that you got to work with or write a story on or cover that you are just like this person is so cool (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. So a couple of them. So, Perfect. uh, in Pyeongchang, I don't know how much you followed, but Dan Knossen mm-hmm. is a Nordic skier. Yeah. Um, he competed in Sochi and didn't do all that well. He was pretty new to the sport. We weren't really expecting him to do a whole lot in Pyeongchang and he won a medal in every single race he competed in. Amazing. Like he just, oh my gosh, it was amazing. Um, so I got to talk to him in about a month or so after the games and sort of learn about his story and what just how he did what he did and he was so nice so down to earth so just like you know I didn't think about winning medals I was just trying to you know do the best that I knew I was capable of doing and the medal just happened to follow and just the nicest person in the world um and really smart too like I'm just so impressed. He was in the military, you know, lost his legs in, I think, an IUD explosion. Oh, wow. Just, I mean, absolutely amazing. Blown away by him. 
Um, and then in Rio, I attended Paracanoe and got to talk to Elena Nichols, um, who has, she's a three sport athlete, actually a four sport athlete. I think she also surfs. Wow. Yeah. So she competed in Paracanoe in Rio and then in Sochi, she competed in alpine skiing and won a medal. And she also has medals in wheelchair basketball. Like she's just absolutely insane. Um, and she didn't medal in Paracanoe in Rio, but she was talking to me after her races about how she was out on the lake that morning and just like watching the sunrise. And she was so grateful to be there that she started crying. And as she was telling oh me gosh. this, she started crying and I was just like, Oh my God, wow. <laughs> it was such a cool moment just to like see this incredibly successful athlete just like be overwhelmed with gratitude for everything that she had gotten to accomplish even she hadn't meddled and she was still just like overwhelmed with how thankful she was just to be there and that was incredibly cool definitely one of my favorite moments oh so that's so those cool. are probably two of my favorites <laughs> yeah I think it's super easy to sit on a couch and be like oh cool you made it to the Olympics but like Oh my gosh. Like yeah. <laughs> so much gets poured into this years and years and years and years. And like you said, like at 12 years old, you had already passed your ice skating window. Like yeah. <laughs> that is insane to think about how much time some of these athletes put into just their their craft and their sport and oh, yeah, it's just I mean a even the athletes thing. that even the athletes that don't medal. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm so thankful for all the time I got to spend with the USOC because I have such a new appreciation for the athletes that never get onto the podium at the Olympics. Like Mm -hmm. we spend so much time learning these athletes stories and covering them in the off years and what they're doing and all that kind of stuff that like, I feel like I knew this entire Olympic team. Like I was a part of this journey from when the first athlete qualified to the last athlete. And it was a whole like, year and a half long process to get all these athletes on this team and even the ones that don't make it onto the podium like I was so proud of them which sounds ridiculous like I felt like a proud mom like Uh just knowing what all of these athletes did and like I mean Nathan Chen everyone was disappointed that he didn't make it onto the podium but like I covered his first national championship in 2017 and like seeing him come up and watching him grow and like the maturity he showed to bounce back from a really bad, you know, Mm -hmm. short program to his free skate. Like I was so proud and people were disappointed and that disappointed me because like he put in so much work, you know what I mean? So I'm just getting very sentimental and sappy, but (laughs) no, I love it. (laughs) But yeah. So even the athletes that don't, metal are still you know the best in the world they're insanely talented oh that's awesome do you have any other fun facts about the olympics off the top of your head that you'd like to share or set the record straight before we move on to our next topic (laughs) oh my gosh one thing uh that you see people saying like opening ceremonies Mm -hmm. it's one it is opening ceremony oh that makes sense (laughs) that makes sense it's just one ceremony Unless you're talking about, you know, the opening ceremonies that have happened over the last decade. But if you're just talking about, you know, 
the Pyeongchang opening ceremony. It's just one. Huh. So, I probably made that mistake on this own podcast, so I'll probably oh, I mean, catch it when I'm editing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone makes that mistake, and I can't judge too much. I don't think I knew about it until, again, I had to learn about the official, like, style of the IOC. Mm-hmm. But now that I know about it and I see people doing it, I'm like, oh, God, stop. It's just, it's wrong. <laughs> it's so wrong. But, yeah, so one more little... We'll just drop that knowledge on you. Yeah, no, I love it. I'll spread the word. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Well, and so we've been talking about Olympic competitors on here, but little do the people who are listening to this podcast know, perhaps, we have our very own competitor in Darcy here. Oh, goodness. (laughs) I had no idea about this until I started looking for um, things to talk about on the podcast, and I'm super jazzed to talk about it. (laughs) Please tell us what you've competed in and just, okay, intro to us. What is it? What am I talking about? Okay. (laughs) I'm burying the lead. (laughs) (laughs) When I was 15, I was on a reality TV show. It was called Endurance and sort of modeled sort of in the vein of Survivor. So we sort of lived in the wilderness and competed in all these challenges and went at it and there was all sorts of drama and... It was great. Good times. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And I just want to let everybody know that yes, you can find it on YouTube and yes, you can watch it. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, I'll share that for you. I'm kind of proud. (laughs) No, but I was watching it. I had no idea that this show existed. That would have been my dream show as a child. Like as a, as a young adult, I would have just been like, Yep, that's my life goal. (laughs) I was obsessed with it. It was my life goal. (laughs) (laughs) And you achieved it. (laughs) Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, it's weird to think that, like, something as innocuous as finding a favorite TV show when you're, like, 13 or 14 years old becomes this, like, seminal moment of your life. Mm Because, I mean, I did. It was a huge goal of mine, and I went out, and it probably wasn't going to happen. I mean, my parents only let me try out for it because they didn't think it was going to happen. And then it did. Oh my gosh. Wow. Um, But yeah, that like I achieved this like major thing just because I wanted it badly enough and because I tried. So to learn that lesson at 15 years old, I mean, crazy. So what was it like to be on a reality TV show at 15? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that just like my mind is blown when I, I try to put those together. It still blows my mind. Like sometimes thinking back on it, I'm like, dang, that really happened, didn't it? <laughs> um, it was kind of surreal. I mean, I was so obsessed with the show and then finally being there and seeing everything that went into it behind the scenes was just kind of insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a very like behind the camera kind of person. I have no television aspirations. Um, there were some of my fellow cast members that were there because, you know, they wanted to further their acting careers and, you know, Mm. make that kind of name for themselves. But I was literally just there because I loved the show and it was really cool. I mean, the thing about endurance, I'm going to get like, oh, I'm going to take it back for a second. Do it. (laughs) So the format of the show is that it's teams, one boy and one girl on each team and each team gets a color. So the big thing on endurance, you have to make it past the first challenge to make it onto a team and get your team color and like your team shirt with the logo on it and everything. And they don't sell these shirts anywhere. So if you wanted a shirt with the endurance logo on it, you had to make it onto the show and make it onto a team. That's big. So like 
This is not yeah. Legends of the Hidden Temple here, where you can buy a Blue Barracudas t-shirt today. Oh, no. Like, it was, people wanted endurance shirts, and they didn't make them anywhere, so people would have to, like, make them at home with, like, iron-on logos wow. and whatnot, but, like, the only, like, authentic endurance shirts are owned by the people that were on the show to get them, so <laughs> it was, like, to be there and to get a team and get my color and finally like get my hands on an endurance shirt was like such a moment which sounds so stupid (laughs) but like it was so weird like being such a fan and finally getting to experience it I mean there were six seasons of the show I think so there were only 120 kids that ever got to do that which is insane so it was it was really surreal what was it like? <laughs> did like a lot of people in your school watch it? Um, I mean, I don't know. I know my friends watched it. I don't uh-huh. know about like what other people did, but was that was like finally... weird or cool at fifteen? Like coming back oh, and both. then like watching it. <laughs> <laughs> it was so weird. So it had to be kept a secret for a really long time. Oh. So I like found like sly ways to tell like my close friends before I went because like I could not tell people they all knew that I was applying and whatnot but yeah so it couldn't be like announced to anyone until we got the okay from like their communications people that we were finally like allowed to talk about it and I want to say the principal made an announcement over the loudspeaker (laughs) and there was like a tv in one of the cafeterias that was airing it for a day and like oh it was it was a lot but it was really cool oh my goodness (laughs) really embarrassing but really cool (laughs) and your season was in the sierras yep sierra nevada mountains so how was that because I know that like Today, I follow a, a quite a few people on Instagram who are like, just going backpacking in the Sierra Nevadas this weekend, like, be back soon, <laughs> and it looks so beautiful. Is it as beautiful in person? <laughs> oh, it's gorgeous. Mm. It's, I'm, I'm not much of, like, an outdoorsy, like, I don't go on a ton of hikes, but being out there, holy cow, it was so beautiful. I mean, every single day, the sky was so blue that you would have sworn it was fake, that it was a backdrop. Like, it was insanely beautiful. And it's funny that you say, you know, people go hiking there. When we were there over a weekend, we weren't allowed to film over weekends because we were kids and, like, mm. child labor laws and everything. You know. So, <laughs> you know, so we got to just kind of hang out by the lake. And there were people there on boats just hanging out, boating by, like, hey, what's this group of 20 teenagers doing here (laughs) what's this giant apparatus that's clearly meant for some sort of strange physical challenge so that was kind of funny but yeah we lived in tree houses up in the mountains and it was really really cold at night which they told Mm. us about but I don't think I was totally prepared to like actually be freezing at night Mm -hmm. um were you still in New York at this point yep I yeah I lived in New York full-time until I was 18 and went to college. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a different kind of cold. Cause like, yeah. <laughs> we have, like, cold in the Northeast, but, like, I feel like mountain cold is a whole nother cold. <laughs> yeah, especially, I mean, we were in tree houses. There was no mm-hmm. insulation. They gave us sleeping bags, but that was literally it. So it got down to, you know, 
freezing and we were there in our sweats and our sleeping bags and that was kind of it and it gets cold holy cow that first night I don't think any of us slept because we were all so nervous and so cold oh no do you still talk to people (laughs) from your season uh not a ton anymore but actually last summer a couple of us had a little reunion so every now and then, yeah, we're still kind of in each other's lives. Oh, that's awesome. We follow awesome. each other on social media, so. <laughs> so some, a, a little part of you at least will be connected. <laughs> yes, for sure. That's so cool. That's like the best two truths and a lie thing that I think you could ever come up with. Like you've got some really good two truths and a lie. I don't know what yes. your lie is going to be, but you've got really good truths. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I will always win two truths and a lie. I don't know if it's possible to win two truths and a lie, but no one will ever guess that I was on a TV show. I'm so not that person, and yet I am that person. So go figure. Yeah, and you made it pretty darn far, right? (laughs) Um, I actually really didn't. Spoiler alert! But no. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I mean. There was so much drama. Teenagers are horrible. They really are. (laughs) I hated being a teenager in, like, normal life. I couldn't imagine doing it on TV. (laughs) Yeah, it's really funny. Like, my parents watched the show after they realized how bad they wanted to be on it. And they were like, why the heck do you want to be on this show? Like, it is brutal. And it was brutal. Like, Mm. I got backstabbed real bad, but... um, no. No, honestly, no regrets. I wouldn't change anything about it. Um... Yeah, so I didn't make it super far, but I feel like I got enough out of it in terms of just, like, experience and life lessons and all that, that, I mean, the grand prize is a trip to Hawaii, which would have been great, but Mm -hmm. I'm I'm very happy with what I got out of it, so. (laughs) (laughs) Life lessons are a good thing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I got a lot of them. (laughs) All right, so we'll start wrapping up. Do you have any fun projects coming up or? I know you're going to um, apply to volunteer for the Tokyo Olympics, but anything else on your plate? Um, yeah, I'm actually doing a little bit of freelance writing for U.S. figure skating this season. So nice. that's really exciting. I just got to go to a champs camp this weekend, which mm-hmm. is when all the top skaters kind of come and practice and do run-throughs of their programs for the judges. Um, so I got a bunch of interviews there, and I'll have some stories coming out throughout the season. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and other than that, I'm still, still learning the bull riding world. Yes. Oh, that's so fun. It's, it's like totally different. <laughs> totally, totally different from like bulls and dirt to like sparkly dresses and ice. Mm-hmm. Total opposite ends of the spectrum, but both really fun. So yeah, should be an interesting couple months. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I do want to give you a chance to share all of your social media so we can follow along with your freelance work. We can follow along with your volunteer process. We can learn more about the rodeo, all of that good stuff. So where can we find you online? Excellent. Yeah, I am at Darcy Says on Twitter and Instagram, and my blog is Freedom of Excess, um, which is also linked at both of those. So I'm always on Twitter. So if you want to find me anywhere, Twitter is the best place to start. Perfect. And I'll make sure all of this is in the show notes. So it'll be easy to click over to you and find you. Um, it sounds like you've got really exciting stuff on your plate, so I'm excited to watch it. Oh, thank you so much. I hope it lives up to the hype. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast this evening. Thanks for taking some time out of your schedule to chat with me. I thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you again for having me. Of course. Bye Darcy. Bye.
So what's the verdict? Are you going to Tokyo? Are you signing up to volunteer? Let me know by reaching out on social media. Both handles are at Sunshine Chasing. I love hearing from listeners. Again, I would so appreciate a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. That's how other people can find this podcast and expand these conversations. And thank you, as always, for listening. That's all for today. Click subscribe to make sure you don't miss the next interview.